1: Today is Sunday, July 22nd, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, and episode 272, featuring Hoops Hype's Alex Kennedy, is brought to you by HIMS. My listeners get a special trial month of Hymns for just $5 by going to 4 com slash Celtics. Well, if you listened to the show last week with Mark Murphy from the Boston Herald, you would have thought it's possible Marcus Smart's negotiations with the Celtics could drag on after all those hurt feelings and a lack of opportunity in the restricted free agent market until training camp, until October. Well, guess what? The sides have come to their senses. At least that's how I look at it. Again, Adam Kaufman, how are you? Welcome in. This is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network. You can get me on Twitter at Adam M. Kaufman. I ask as I always do. Subscribe on iTunes. Just Search Celtics, Search Celtics Beat, whatever's easier for you. You'll find us, and we will release episodes every single Sunday throughout the offseason here, bringing you the absolute latest as it concerns the Celtics, and this particular show, we got a lot concerning the Seas. Marcus Smart, of course, back with the Seas, but also Kawhi Leonard, gone from San Antonio, no, not to Boston, but not to the Sixers either. No, not Philadelphia, Toronto. Now a member of the Toronto Raptors, and there is so much to talk about there from a national perspective, or in that case I guess international as it relates to what the Celts hope to do this season as again finals contenders championship contenders my belief and I'll expand on this a little bit later on with Alex Kennedy doesn't change a whole hell of a lot in the East but again I'll give you that but first just some thoughts on Marcus Smart because we all know him as the guy that makes winning plays the steal the loose ball the rebound the block he's got the clutch gene spoke about that with Murph last week he can hit a big shot even though of course he's not a great shooter or even a a good shooter but he thrives in a contending caliber situation which is exactly where he is so it made all the sense in the world to bring him back. And here's the thing that I think over the course of the last several weeks or at least since free agency began that has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. There was never a point in time the Celtics did not intend to bring Marcus Smart back. Had he gotten a big offer elsewhere, they would have matched it, unless the number was outrageous, but I think anywhere to 14-15 million dollars a year, which was not realistic. He wasn't going to get that anywhere else. They would have been at least willing to match, maybe not as comfortable as getting him back at their price at basically the deal. That they had offered him last fall, but here we are. Four years, $52 million. Now, if you've been listening to the show, you know I've been saying for months I thought four for 48 would be a good, reasonable, fair deal for both sides. $12 million a year. I'm not going to quibble over 13. I'm good with that. Celtics should be good with it. Smart should be good with it. You should be good with it for a whole host of reasons that I think we need to dissect. Maybe just give you a little bit of perspective as to why this was a good decision for both sides. I was starting to believe over the course of time he was going to be back on the qualifying offer just because he seemed upset. He seemed to want to maybe go out in unrestricted free agency this time next year and get paid frustrated with the fact that the Celtics had been out of touch, that they weren't going to bid against themselves, that there were no offers elsewhere. I'm glad that we have reached this point. If you were following me on Twitter at all, again, Adam M. Kaufman, I just went on a barrage after some of those early reports came out because I had to get it all out because this, I I feel passionately about this making sense. Locking up Marcus Smart long-term sees get him back at their number, and he has already seen that the market for him does not exist. So while he is maybe upset about that, he can't be frustrated with Boston, because nobody else was giving him that number that he felt he should have exceeded in the fall when he turned it down, was looking for a reported four for 60. Now he's back with security, with a contender, and with him earning in that range. The Celtics also, I don't think this is a priority, but people like to talk about Anthony Davis now that Kawhi's off the table, or other guys, future all stars, maybe a Jimmy Butler, who the heck knows. Seas have a tradable mid range contract to include in any potential deals. They didn't have that with Kawhi. It was, you know, included a top-tier guy of, of Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, or it drops all the way down to guys making six, seven million dollars a year. They needed a guy in that low teens But more than that, I'm of the belief the Celtics want Marcus Smart. They need Marcus Smart. They wish to keep Marcus Smart. As an organization, whether it's Wick, Grossbeck, or most certainly Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens, teammates, everybody, they love Marcus Smart in spite of some of the warts, the poor shooting, the hitting the picture frame. He's a winning player. He can thrive in the intangibles department. And it makes the most sense for him to be, whether it's Boston or not, in a contending situation. That is when it's worth a bit of an overpay. And this is maybe a little bit of an overpay just because of course there weren't offers elsewhere because you already know his importance to this system more than that signing him now with zero need to bring him back for anything more than that qualifying offer of one year 6.1 million dollars it may be a a little bit of a reaction of the Kawhi Leonard trade only in that the Celts do have a viable threat to reach the NBA finals and we'll expand upon that obviously and depends in large part on Leonard and whether he buys in whether he's invested whether he stays beyond just the one year but smart for what this group has he's a Very important cog to what they do, especially defensively. He's that bulldog player, the heart and soul guy, gives his all. Sometimes to a fault. We know hurt his hand late in the season there and had to miss some time. But that was an effort play that caused it a fluky situation. But Boston couldn't risk potentially losing him, Kyrie Irving, and Terry Rozier next summer in contract years. No, I don't believe that was ever going to happen. But if they all came back with free agency looming a year from now, it was a risk. It was a risk. Cap's going to go up. Teams are going to be handing out some funny money again. It was a risk. You need to have two back, and right now that's one. I do believe they will get to On the whole, Smart versus Terry Rozier thing, and I, I've talked about this a lot on this program. We have the debate all the time. As long as you have Kyrie Irving back beyond this year, and I believe he will be. Smart's defense is more important than Rozier's offense. Irving can score. Hayward can score. Jason Tatum going to be a superstar in this league. Jalen Brown, he can do both. He can score. He can defend as some of those other guys can do as well you don't have to have there's a little bit of redundancy when it comes to terry rosier plus terms of the interest of bringing smart back now and, and maybe willing to overpay this year as opposed to future seasons it's an if granted it's a a big if based on what we've seen in his career early on but smart if he goes out and increases those shooting percentages to say 40 percent from the field 35 percent from three and those would admittedly again be jumps but he plays his usual all nba caliber defense he was going to get a big contract next summer that's just a reality i'm not saying this will be the avery bradley deal and we'll view it as this great steal by the end of the contract but the fact that that possibility exists is something to think about and just to further emphasize how much the C's love Smart. The fact Danny Ainge and the Celts were willing to pay into the luxury tax this year to keep him around, when they absolutely, again, with that qualifying offer, didn't have to do that, tells you all you need to know about how much they value him. They love him. And I don't believe they're looking to ditch the tax. They've spoken for a long time about a willingness to pay into it. Ownership, Ainge, everybody. And people keep talking about throwing out this idea of, of moving Marcus Morris just to avoid paying into that tax. Not a lot of minutes to go around right now, and I know Morris already sort of speculated as to what his role with this team is is going to be and expressed some concerns about that if everybody is healthy but they won't be injuries happen guys will rest whatever it is he has value beyond that modest contract i'm not saying marcus morris is a necessity but he's an asset and he's not a guy you move just to avoid paying into the luxury tax a little bit this first year and just to sort of cap this thing off controversial opinion maybe i don't know but I just, the market isn't always right. Sometimes the market is wrong. Certain players have more value to their own teams, their own systems. And Marcus Smart is unequivocally one of those guys. Look, give Walters a a feather in his cap. The guy takes a lot of crap. His client walked away from four for 50. He got him four for 52 okay just a little bit of an upgrade but let's break away from Marcus Smart for a minute we'll do more of Smart a little bit later on I want to dive into the Kawhi Leonard situation let's bring in Alex Kennedy from Hoops Hype. you know Alex it's it's mid-July but the NBA it never sleeps and we learned that in the best way possible overnight back on Wednesday when at about 3 a.m eastern there were rumblings the Spurs would send Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors for DeMar DeRozan six hours later it happened officially Kawhi and Danny Leonard north of the board, for DeRozan, Jakob Pertl, and a protected 2019 first-round pick. So, now that you've had a little bit of time to digest this move, how do you like it for both sides?
0: Yeah, I mean, I like it. I, I understand it for both sides. I, I think, initially, for Toronto, I'm thinking, you know, we have this report that Kawhi Leonard doesn't want to be there. He has no desire to play there. Uh, Christine reported that. So, initially, I'm thinking, you know, this is a big risk. You're giving up DeMar DeRozan, and uh, he's a guy that you have under contract for multiple years. He has talked about potentially staying with Toronto for the rest of his life, and all these things. Um, he gave up a first-round pick. He gave up, you know, Yurko Purtle. Uh, you know, there was there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of things that, that initially I, I thought I didn't like the deal for uh, for Toronto, but then the more I thought about it, you know, uh, and the more I kind of heard some of the reasoning coming from the Toronto side, uh, you know, camp. It was it was really you know that this team was in such cap hell that I think they look at this as even if Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green walk after one season, then they have enough young guys, you know, in that young core to start a rebuild and try to, you know, get out of some of these bad contracts. I think the way they looked at it was, you know, let's, let's try to swing for the fences this year and make a run at the NBA finals, see if we can compete with Boston and Philadelphia by bringing in a guy like Kawhi Leonard to uh, you know our existing core, um, and, you know we've already seen what what we can do as a team. Uh, they had this team, you know, the, the same core several years in a row now. They failed in the playoffs, so I think. And now you know they made a change with uh, from Dwayne Casey to Nick Nurse as well showing that they, you know, really didn't believe in the lineup and a team that they had as constructed. So I think they feel like, you know, this the starting lineup is much better now when you look at Kyle Lowry, Danny, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, Serge Ibaka, Jonas Valanciunas, you have O.G. Ananubi off the bench. You know, you have a number of guys there that, you know, the bench is one of the best in the NBA last season. I think they believe in that team now better than, you know, they did last year. And then if those guys leave – then you clear two huge salaries off the books. I think it was kind of a sneaky way to get out of DeMar DeRozan's contract, um, you know. It, it, and maybe maybe Kawhi stays. That's the best case scenario. But the worst case scenario, I think, is, is uh, Masai Ujiri's Plan B. I think that's where he can look to rebuild this team. And remember, you know, when he first got to Toronto, he wanted to rebuild. He talked about trading away Kyle Lowry. You know there were talks with the New York Knicks and a number of teams. There were you know talks about trading Demar Derozan. He did trade Rudy Gay. You know initially Masai was going to go there and rebuild and, and start this team you know from 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 fresh uh, from you know get rid of everyone and go young. Obviously things changed. They started winning, um, and now he he's been able to you know allow them to contend and, and put together a good team while still building a young core so he has some flexibility for the future and has that option down the road
1: so you said it there's skepticism that Leonard even wants to play for Toronto do you think he's going to be genuinely invested there or is maybe he has to be just to get his max deal
0: yeah that's a great question I think there's enough skepticism around his injury that I think he needs to play well to, uh, you know, if he wants to get that max deal next summer. Um, And no one wants to see a guy just go out there and not try and, um, you know, mail it in basically and have a bad attitude. You know, the thing, you know, earlier in his career, we never heard any of these things about Kawhi Leonard. That's why this has been so surprising to me because, you know, he's a guy that was always team first and quiet, had no ego. And everything that's come out this summer, it just doesn't sound like Kawhi to me. So that's what made me wonder, you know, was this his camp? You know, there had been some restructuring in his camp. He fired his agent uh, It has a new one. Uh, it, you know, his uncle now has a much bigger presence in his life and in a lot of input. And it's talking about, you know, big markets and getting more out of his shoe deal and all these things that Kawhi just never cared about before. So, I I do think there's some sense around the NBA that maybe we can reach Kawhi and get to the Kawhi that we used to know or the Kawhi that, you know, the Raptors loved during the pre-draft process several years ago. You know, I think some people feel like that. I think the Spurs felt like that for a time, that, you know, they could reach Kawhi and they could maybe salvage that relationship if they got him away from his camp. But, um, yeah, I I do think he has to go out there and, uh, you know, at least try and – You know, try to compete. Uh, Otherwise, it it is going to be a stain, uh, and it's going to be hard for him to, you know, go out next summer and uh, potentially get that max contract. You know, I do think some will give it to him just because he's that talented. Um, But certainly, his options are going to uh, be—he's going to have way more options if he if he goes out and competes and handle this professionally.
1: So I get the risk on Toronto's part. I mean, perennial underachievers in the playoffs haven't even made the conference finals, let alone the NBA finals, clearly felt they needed to shake up. And you hit on some of that, you know, another sweep versus LeBron, Dwayne Casey coach of the year, and then he gets the boot DeRozan, He's obviously out in this trade, but just, it feels like a rental for so many reasons. And I know what happened with Paul George in Oklahoma city. And and there is that allure, that potential of selling a guy on your franchise in your city and all of that over the course of a year. But do you believe Kawhi would actually consider staying in Toronto, or is he going to be focused on LA all year?
0: Honestly, I, I think this is—he's more likely to go to LA. Uh, Paul George, whenever you know he was traded, there were reports initially that you know he was hell bent on going to the Lakers and all that, but you never had a you know report immediately after the deal uh, came to light that he had no desire to be in Oklahoma City. Once he got there, you know he said all the right things. He was. Really, uh, you know, appreciative of the fans showing up at the airport, and you know, there was all these things that kind of indicated that, you know, Paul George had an open mind with Kawhi. It doesn't seem like that's the case so far. Now, maybe that could change once he gets there. You know, a lot of players have said, "Oh, I'm never going to go play in Toronto." Then they play there, and and they do like it. They they do fall in love. You know, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan are two guys that. They were surprised with how much they like Toronto and and decided to stay there. Uh, I I hate to mention you know Fred VanVleet again, but I I just talked to him two days ago for a long interview, and that's why he was texting me kind of a follow up about Kawhi. But in that interview, he said, you know, I had never been to Toronto, I had no idea, you know, anything about Canada, I had never been here, and now I want to live here for the rest of my life. You know, I want to raise kids here. I love it. It's amazing. So there are guys that have you know. Been skeptical about Toronto and then falling in love with it, but in a situation like this where you know you are set on Los Angeles, apparently Kawhi hates cold weather, so that's going to be <laughs> really difficult for him going to Toronto. Um, you know, I I forget who who reported it. Oh, I believe it was Rick Bucher, put out something on Twitter saying that uh, whenever the uh, All Star game was in Toronto, Kawhi Leonard didn't you know leave his hotel room because it was freezing, Um, you know, he wants to be in warm weather. So, I mean, I don't know. I I think he's less likely to resign than Paul George because Paul George seemed a little bit more open-minded going in. Uh, But we never know what can happen with these kind of things.
1: What are the odds, just to play this out a different way, that you think Leonard is traded again by the deadline? You know, if the Raptors don't feel great about necessarily their ability to beat Boston, or maybe more importantly, their ability to retain him, that they continue to try and further this rebuild by then moving him and getting additional assets.
0: Yeah, I thought about that too. You know, and and there was some you know talk about that with uh, the Paul George situation last summer. You know, if it didn't go well, if he didn't fit. With Russell Westbrook, people were saying, oh, well, they can just flip him again, and, you know, he's not a one-year rental, so there's not as much interest, obviously. You're only getting him for half a year, but, and there's fewer teams that would be interested, you know, uh, because you have to be really in contention to, you know, make that kind of, you know, half-year rental type of move. Um, But, yeah, I I think it is an option for Toronto with, uh, you know, not only Kawhi Leonard, but also Danny Green. You know, a, a lot of teams, are looking for those 3 and d type guys. And if the trade deadline comes around, things aren't working out, Toronto's not where they expect it to be, they could always try to make a move like that. but I think a lot of problems, too, and a lot of people aren't really discussing this, but whenever there's a team like the Golden State Warriors out there that are just so loaded and everyone around the league assumes they're going to win a championship, if everyone is healthy and you know things go as planned, teams aren't willing to be as risky and, you know, swing for the fences. So that's where it does kind of become hard to, you know, trade Kawhi again to someone with the deadline because what team really feels like, okay, we have enough this year to win a championship and be Golden State, so we're going to give up significant assets at the deadline. You know, that's where it becomes difficult. Uh, I, I think in other seasons maybe that would be uh, more likely or more of a possibility, but – In a year like this where you have a team like the Warriors that, you know, everyone assumes this juggernaut's going to win, it becomes tougher to find red tools. And I think also San Antonio battled that as they were – trying to find a red tool in the
1: first place. All right, we'll get back to Alex in just a second, but I want to tell you today's episode of Celtics Beat brought to you by Hims. HIMSS is a brand-new wellness plan for men. Guys, how many of you are scared of hair loss? I guess a lot of you, considering 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. Stop procrastinating and stop turning to weird hair loss solutions. HIMSS is your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Best part about hims they connect you with real doctors to treat your hair loss with actual medical grade solutions. We're not talking about concoctions that you make at home. We're talking about prescription solutions backed by science. Just go to 4 right now. Sign up is easy. Answer a few quick questions and a doctor will be assigned to you. Products are shipped directly to your door too. You don't have to wait in line for hours. Let HIMS come to you. My listeners get a special trial month of HIMS for $5 while supplies last. See website for full details. This has cost you hundreds of dollars if you went to your local pharmacy. Skip that. Use my promo code Celtics. Go to dot slash Celtics. That's dot slash Celtics. All right, let's get back to Alex. Do you have any insights into Kawhi's health right now, that quad?
0: You know, I, I, I know there are teams that are concerned about it. Um, I, I think some people, you know, there's been this uh, assumption from fans and some people in the media even that, you know, oh, he was just upset with the Spurs last year, so he didn't come back. And, uh, you know, he could have played – but I don't think that's the case. I do think that this is something that could be a little bit more serious than people are talking about. Um, and I know there was some, you know, talk about even if a team were to trade for him, you know, their their physician could do, you know, uh, you know, they they could look at him. Their physician could do, uh, you know, a check on, on his quad and say, yeah, he's healthy. But you don't know if he's going to be, you know, one hundred percent the old Kawhi that was an MVP candidate, and one of the best two-way players in the NBA healthy, or is he, you know, 70% of himself healthy? I think that's kind of the question. Even if he's able to go out there, is he limited in some way because of the quad? And this is an injury that has been nagging. It's not like this is a first-time thing. He's going to get over it, and it's going to be in his past. You know, he first started dealing with this a few years ago, so I think that's always concerning. But that, that's one of the reasons too why I think so many uh, teams were kind of scared to give up significant pieces for Kawhi, because this injury is something that they don't know much about. So it wasn't just you know the fact that he could leave after one year. Uh, there was a report from uh, from Woz that the uh, that Kawhi and his team you know weren't weren't uh, speaking to any potential teams, weren't giving any medical, weren't giving any kind of updates to teams. And the one team that, you know, may have had some kind of knowledge about his situation is the Philadelphia 76ers because their team doctor was actually working on Kawhi. But, you know, obviously they didn't trade for him. They didn't even want to give up Markel Holtz for him. So, I don't know, you know, it, it could be a bigger issue that people think, though.
1: So, as you said, you recently caught up with Fred Van Vliet, and uh, it was a fun Q&A on Hoopsite. People should check it out. He practically sang show tunes about playing with DeRozan. Is he going to be missed, do you think, in that locker room? You hear a lot about the guy, I suppose, on really on both sides. There are a whole lot of different perspectives when it comes to DeMar DeRozan.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think he's going to be missed. His teammates love him. Kyle Lowry and him have become very close over the years, and, you know, they, they – uh, I think initially uh, we're very different. De- Demar is very quiet. Kyle has been known to be very standoffish, and he's the first person to admit that earlier in his career he was very immature and stubborn, and you know had some issues with teammates. But you know he developed into a very you know a, a great veteran leader and strong locker room presence, and now he is a great teammate um, and a great professional. And, and Demar of done the same thing. His development has been really interesting. He developed a little bit, you know, later than uh, some players do. He didn't, you know, break out really early like some people expected. It took him a few years, you know, five years, six years to become the player that, you know, everyone really wanted him to be. But in recent years, he's, you know, really developed on the court and off the court too. I think he was huge in that locker room. The comments from Fred, you know, really blew me away. That was one of the strongest, uh, I guess, testimonials for a teammate that I've ever I've ever heard from a guy he said I owe my career to DeMar and he was talking about Kyle too he was you know talking about both of them but he said I owe my career to them they're obviously special players but they're even more you know they're, they're even better people they help me so much and he said you know I'm an undrafted guy I, you know I came in I fought for a roster spot based on how I played in summer league and they took me under their wing treated me like a brother you know they treated me like I was one of the guys You know, they helped me so much on the court, but also taught me about life in general, you know, taught me game off the court. You know, this was something that really meant a lot to him. And then when I texted him about, you know, the the trade, he said, I'm having a really hard time trying to find words right now that aren't wrong.
1: So I mentioned this earlier in the show, and uh, it's, you know, my opinion, but I just don't think, and, and I don't say this is a Boston homer or anything, I don't think this trade changes a whole lot. The Celtics, to me, still favored to reach the finals. Leonard, obviously a top-five player when he's right, but we don't know if he will be. The C's, to me, are a deeper team than the Raptors, and either way, both teams have players that are rebounding from significant injuries. Obviously, Gordon Hayward, even Kyrie Irving is coming back from an injury. So let's, I guess, look at this in, in a fantasy land where everybody's healthy, who do you as the team to beat in the East?
0: Yeah, I think it's Boston. Um, I'm not just saying that because I'm on your show.
1: Um, <laughs> I,
0: I really do think that this team at full strength is going to be so much, so much fun to watch, uh, and they're going to be so scary. They have so many weapons that uh, they can beat you with. I agree with you on Toronto. You know, we just did a podcast kind of breaking down this move, and we looked at you know how good is Toronto now, and, and kind of broke it down from all angles, and. I I still don't like Serge Ibaka on that team in terms of fit. Uh, He's declined so much in recent years defensively and really hasn't brought a lot to the table for them. Jonas Valanciunas hasn't turned into the player that they were hoping for. You know, they wanted to see him develop more and, uh, you know, become that franchise big man that they can rely on and, and, you know, have as their long-term answer. But, you know, they have constantly been shopping him and, Hoping that he would improve, and it really hasn't happened. So that front court, uh, immediately there there's concerns there. And then Danny Green is one of those guys who I think has a reputation as being this great defender. And people think of what he did in the finals from a few years ago, and um, you know diehard fans know obviously, but I think some casual fans think, oh, he's this lockdown defender who shoots 44% from three point range. But in recent years, he's really fallen off. He's declined a lot. Uh, and some of that's been injuries, some of that's just, you know, older age. So I, I do think the Raptors are a weaker team than some people are thinking. And then the Kawhi thing, uh, obviously, the, uh, the quad is the, is the concern. You also have to wonder how is he going to play outside of, you know, San Antonio's system where a lot of guys have looked really, really good. And then, you know, they go somewhere else and they're still a great player, but it's not quite the same.
1: So Celtics clearly weren't all that interested in Kawhi, which is why they reportedly made, as you said, their top five players unavailable. But should Danny Ainge have acted, especially now that we know he landed within, a, you know, to a conference rival, or was he right to stay with the current core?
0: Well, I know Celtics fans sometimes get frustrated that he doesn't pull the trigger on moves. And, you know, if this this can be said about Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, but I think he's just very uh cautious when it comes to some of these moves. A guy like Kawhi, um, even though I think if Boston had landed him, I could see him going there, loving it, being able to, you know, go to the NBA finals potentially with the Celtics, you know playing with Kyrie Irving, who is someone that he actually has a decent relationship with from, you know, what I, what I know, I've seen them together at, you know, different events, you know, at all-star parties, they go hanging out together. Um, You know, they, I I don't know if they work out together, but they have some kind of relationship. Um, This team is so good. I, I could see him thinking, okay, you know, maybe this is best for me. I love LA, but I'm closer to a championship And my championship window is much wider if I stay here in Boston. So I understand. You know, that's where the Kawhi Leonard could have been a trade could have been tempting, but I I just think Danny really values his assets, and I think he is thinking more long term. You know, the the Kawhi Leonard thing, it could have been a rental, and then all of a sudden you're losing, you know, uh, a key piece.
1: Marcus Smart is back, $13 million per and a four-year deal at that. The Celtics didn't have to, Alex, give him a dime more than they were willing to with a qualifying offer. Why, in your opinion, did Danny Ainge elect to open the wallet and, as of right now, pay into the luxury tax when there were no other offers out there for Smart?
0: Yeah, it's one of those things, I mean, Smart was clearly getting upset. Um, yeah, I, You know, you had reported that and talked about how, he was frustrated, and you know that that part of that is just restricted free agency. It really sucks. It's a mechanism that is just so frustrating for players because your team basically tells you, you know, go out there and get an offer, and then we'll see what we're going to do. We'll either match or not. Um, so it's very uh, frustrating for players, and you don't feel wanted at all. Uh, but that's how GMs have to approach it because they don't want to bid against themselves, and they want to see what the market is like. So. I, you know, I see what you're saying, that they're really, they could have just said, look, you know, take or leave it, here's your offer, but then you risk him taking the qualifying offer, hitting unrestricted for agency next summer, and then, you know, if he really was uh, upset to the point that, you know, he holds a grudge or something, then next summer maybe he walks and says, look, you guys had a chance to sign me to a long-term deal, now I'm walking. So there's always that risk, um, you know, and I think, the organization really values Marcus Smart. You know, he's someone that I think uh, he, you can say, you know, all the buzzwords about him, you know, his motor, his hustle and all that. But I think those are things that the organization really values. I think they're contagious. They rub off other players. So he's someone they wanted to have long-term. And I think locking him up now on a, on a four-year deal, even if you had to go, you know give him 13 million dollars per season i think it makes sense uh, rather than potentially lose him next summer because again he's one of those pieces in this core that is very important you know he's a guy that a lot of teams would love to have you know i think one of the reasons he didn't have an offer is because he was a restricted free agent and people just assumed that boston would match especially knowing now that you know they're willing to give him 13 million dollars a year if he's unrestricted though next summer let's say You know, there's a lot of teams that would be interested in having a guy like Marcus Smart, and that's where it becomes difficult for Boston to retain him, possibly. So I think this was about just making sure you keep him. You never want to lose an asset, and I I think, uh, you know, if he if he were to sign the qualifying offer and walk next summer for nothing, then, you know, you you put all this time and energy into developing this guy, and you know he he knows the system. He's an important important part of the team. Losing him for nothing next offseason is a scary thought. So. You know, locking him up on a contract like this now, that is tradable. I mean, I think other teams around the NBA would trade for him if, you know, something happened and Boston needed to move him. So I, I, I like the deal. I, I think, I see what you're saying about bidding it to yourself and how there weren't other offers, but I think Boston just really want to make sure they kept him.
1: How important is Smart to this team? I mean, we see it obviously here in Boston, but from a national perspective, is he the type of guy that contenders have to have to win a championship?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's very important. Um, you know, I think there's some people that have doubted his importance because obviously Kyrie Irving is there and he's the guy, and you have know, Terry Rozier in the backcourt. You know, Jalen Brown is, is someone that obviously is developing, and you know a lot of people love around the league too. But a guy like Marcus Smart, again, he just makes those winning plays, and he's a guy that uh, <laughs> he's one of those guys that you love to have on your team. But hate if he's on another team so you know opposing fan bases hate him uh you know a lot of players don't like playing against him because he flops and you know he's aggressive and he's you know diving for loose balls but that's the kind that's kind of guy you want if you're a contender
1: Kyrie Irving we've spent some time on him but he Al Horford Marcus Morris Terry Rozier all currently on the roster, all up for new contracts this time next summer. Now, they won't all be back, obviously, but how important a year is this for Boston to make the most of it, to, to truly fight and claw for a championship and to be not just in that conversation but truly contend and, and attempt to knock the Warriors off their throne just given that this type of depth is not something potentially they'll have next year?
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that because some teams and some you know markets just take – their roster for granted and think okay well you know if it's not this year it's going to be a few years from now but and certainly i do think boston will still be good in a few years don't get me wrong even if they were to lose some of these guys you know they, they do have so many young guys that are locked up on you know long-term contracts but i think they're going to be in a good position either way but you know, you never know what could happen. There could be injuries. There could be guys that leave in free agency. You know, there, there's always the what if or, or the, the thing you don't see coming. So I think that's where you have to take advantage of a year like this where, uh, you know, we saw last year injuries obviously got in the way, and that can happen at any time to any team. So in a year like this where they have so much depth, they have so much talent, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, they're going to be back. They're going to be healthy. Um I think this is an important year to get everyone on the same page. Obviously, Hayward didn't really have a chance to do that last year because he got hurt so quickly. So, getting him on the same page with everyone and developing chemistry is really important. I think seeing development from the young guys like Tatum and uh, and Brown and others as well is very important too. Um, you know, Terry Rozier is a guy who we don't know is going to be here long term. So, you know, as, as you're saying, you know, this could be a different roster a year from now. So, that's where I think if you're Boston. You know, you you have to look at this as, yeah, you know, the Warriors are a dominant team, but we can make the NBA Finals.
1: I don't think the main principles there, Irving and Horford, are going to leave. I expect them to both be with the team come the start of the 2019-20 season. But obviously, they could, and there's been the noise out there in New York and such for Irving. So that in mind, is there any party that believes the Seas may have a a smaller championship window than we actually think? I honestly
0: don't think so. You know, I I think a lot of people were overreacting to the— news that Kyrie wasn't signing an extension, and I think that was a lot of casual NBA fans. You know, the diehard fans get it, that it doesn't make sense to sign an extension. You're going to make more money if you just wait and hit free agencies every time. But I think when that headline, you know, went across sports Center, casual fans were like, oh, he may leave, you know, it's one of those things. And there have been rumblings, too. Like, that's not the only thing. There have been rumblings about, you know, possibly him going to... New York. There's been the whole thing about, you know, him and Jimmy Butler wanting to team up. There's been reports like that, but from everything I've heard, it seems like that's coming more from Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler wanting to play with Kyrie. Jimmy Butler wanting to be in the Eastern Conference. Jimmy Butler being frustrated with the young guys in Minnesota like Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. You don't really hear that, you know, Kyrie's disgruntled. You don't hear these kind of things. So I think, you know, Kyrie is in a great situation right now. He is the man, which is what he wanted. He has a team that has a wide open championship window as long as he stays and makes sure that, you know, he signs a long-term deal and, you know, continues to perform at the same level. So, I, it, you know, a team like New York is just so far away from contention. And, and looking at the moves that i made this summer, you know, they're clearly, you know, looking at this as a rebuild. Uh, you know, Kevin Knox isn't a guy that's going to be ready in a year or two to compete at a high level, Uh, you know, Mitchell Robinson is the guy that, you know, they just took a flyer on. He's so young. Uh, Chris S. Porzingis, obviously, still coming back from the injury. It's not like New York is a really attractive situation that, you know, is going to be super tempting. Yeah, you know, I understand that he could go over there with with another teammate, but I I still don't see it being more attractive than uh, Boston. So I'm not someone that really believes these Kyrie rumors. I, I would be surprised if he left.
1: All right, last thing for you, doesn't involve Kawhi, doesn't involve the Celtics even, well, I guess involves Kawhi a little bit. LeBron James, how's he feeling right now? Because there were expectations, at least public expectations, that he'd go to L.A., the Lakers would then also add either Paul George, still in OKC, or Leonard, now in Toronto as we know. Neither one happened. Was he always thinking long-term, or is this impacting maybe his state of mind at all?
0: Well, I'm sure it's frustrating, but I think he, every step of the way, knew that this was going to happen. You know, he committed to the Lakers after the Paul George thing. Um, I I think, you know, I tend to believe that he already had the Lakers in mind. They were thinking about that for quite a while. So, you know, maybe the Paul George thing was a letdown because he had already, you know, thought, okay, I'm going to the Lakers. And then Paul George chose the OKC on July 1. Um, So that has to be kind of frustrating because you want to go there with a star. But, you know, there have been reports in the weeks leading up to free agency that LeBron was making it clear to people around him um, that, you know, he was going to be patient and uh, he was willing to, you know, wait for the Lakers to get better. I think he's very confident in the uh, in his ability to recruit stars to Los Angeles in 2019 when they're still going to have a lot of cap space. Um, you know, they've signed all these guys to one-year deals, you know, and it sounds like he's signed off on these deals. I'm not crazy about them. I don't like the fit for, for Rondo, for Stevenson, for uh, JaVale McGee. You know, I, I don't understand it. Um, you know, I know I, Brian Winhorst and Ramona Shoburn wrote that great piece talking about kind of what's going on and, you know behind the scenes in, in L.A. and saying LeBron has signed off on these moves. but and, and they want playmakers to take the ball out of LeBron's hands. But if I'm doing that, you know, I'm not taking the ball out of LeBron's hands to put it in the hands of you know Rondo at this stage in his career, or Lance Stevenson, So I, the moves are definitely questionable. But I think if LeBron wanted Kawhi, uh, the Lakers would have Kawhi right now. I think uh, you know they would have they would have made a trade and and they could have topped the offer from San Antonio based on all the young guys they have. So I think LeBron's willing to be patient and uh, you know play this season out with the young guys. You know maybe they try to make a move during the season, but I think he's being patient right now and then. Next summer, if they strike out, that's when I think he starts to worry and get really frustrated.
1: All right, Alex Kennedy from HoopSype, A lot of great insights, obviously, across the league and as it concerns your Boston Celtics as well. Alex, thanks very much. Let's do it again soon.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. Thanks a lot for having me.
1: All right, great stuff from Alex, and another busy show comes to an end. Obviously a lot of news this week from, most importantly for you Boston fans, the fact that Marcus Smart is back, but also the impact on the East with that Kawhi Leonard trade. Alex weighed in on a lot of different things. If you happen to, I don't know, scroll around the podcast, missed anything, go back, review, because again, there's a lot to learn with the season rapidly approaching. Again, episode 272 featuring Hoops Hype's Alex Kennedy, brought to you by HIMS. My listeners get a special trial month of Hymns for just $5 by going to 4 slash Celtics. Again, thanks to Alex, thanks to my producer Evan, thanks to Nick, to Larry, to John, to everybody over at CLNS Media. Most importantly, as I always say, thanks to you. Without listeners, well, what's the point of doing this thing, right? So keep on tuning in. Subscribe on iTunes to Celtics Beat. Leave us a rating, a review. We appreciate it. And, uh, well, come next week, we'll keep on diving into the season now that the Celtics roster and the Eastern Conference continue to take shape. All right, G place out.